Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. The mission of our podcast is to tell the stories of our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. Today on the podcast, it's my great privilege to have the CEO of Hydrofacial with me, Clint Carnell. Welcome, Clint. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days. I know you've been around aesthetics for a long time, but you're currently at Hydrofacial. Give us a little snapshot of you and your background in the space. Sure. So currently, I'm uh, leading the Hydrofacial company, Three Steps, 30 Minutes, Best Skin of Your Life. And it's been a really fun adventure the last three and a half years, being able to create a true category maker. I'm involved in Orange Twist, which is one of the largest med spa chains in the the country based in Southern California with uh, 15 soon to be 20 centers. So I've got both the provider perspective as well as the manufacturer's perspective that keeps me fully in this business. And uh, as you know, we met several years ago when it was Thermage, Fraxel, and Clear and Brilliant when I was the chief operating officer for Sultan Medical. So I love the business and I'm deeply invested in it. You're growing Orange Twist at the same time that you're running Hydrofacial. You're doing both of these things in parallel? Yeah, originally, Dr. Grant Stevens and I founded uh, Orange Twist back in 2015, and it was kind of a labor of love to see if we could develop more of a consumer-friendly concept, high-end, think SoulCycle meets Starbucks, but with a really strong medical and clinical oversight pedigree with Dr. Stevens' background. And uh, it's been very successful, but no, I don't run it on a daily basis. I serve as the chairman now, still the largest shareholder, but we've got an excellent operating team there. Denise Keeler is our chief commercial officer who founded the business with me. And then uh, we just recently hired Paul Gaynor, who is the former head of worldwide retail for Disney and just brought on an excellent CFO and Brittany Slater. So it's a highly functioning team and I try to stay out of the way and, and remove some of the obstacles to help them make them successful. So it's been a fun business and, and we're a big hydrofacial customer. So it gives me a, a kind of a unique background looking at the business. I was going to say, you kind of get to use Orange Twist like your hydrofacial consumer lab, right? Yeah. You know, I think as you're aware, so many times there's natural misalignment between the seller of the products and the consumer of the products. And so I think it gives me a perspective of both sides trying to make it a really healthy ecosystem. And I know that hydrofacials benefited from Orange Twist feedback and vice versa. And we bring everybody into the shop both to try to help us make a better place. Because I think we believe that just we need more people coming into aesthetic treatments. Once they do, they love it. And we just help them along that journey. So I really love both businesses and both, I think, benefit from each other. Hydrofacial in particular has a really low barrier to entry. Pretty much anyone on earth can have a hydrofacial, right? Yeah, it's um, you know, there's a couple of things that we discovered. One is... You know, if you have skin, you're a potential hydrofacial customer. So we tend to get more young, more old, more people of color, more male than most products. So it's really early in the continuum of care along a skincare journey. And it can be with you all your life. And you can do it a lot. And it's very approachable from a price point. What's interesting is where we've always had this argument about core versus non-core and who sells to who. And we took an approach that we really wanted to bring more consumers in. And what we found through our research is much like Real Self, I think, is an excellent resource for this. The consumers sometimes will be in multiple places to consume what we have. And so Sephora is one of our largest customers with Perk by Hydrofacial. And yet plastic surgeons have the most multiple systems because it's great in between surgeries and a way to retain their patient base. And then we've got virtually every casino on the Vegas Strip 
Equinox, Lifetime Fitness. So it's been a lot of fun because while we're really strong in the physician kind of core business, making up over 60% of our business, we've got a fair amount of visibility that I've never really had the opportunity to peek into that's really helped change some of the ways that I look at medical aesthetics today. Over the last six or eight weeks, sort of since we've been dealing with pandemic times, certainly you've had to make some tricky decisions about what your team is going to do and how you're going to continue supporting all these people. That's a heavy responsibility. And I wonder if you can speak to some of the changes that you've made to try to protect the business since this started. Yeah, it's a very challenging time. I mean, we were ambushed by COVID-19 like everyone, and it literally felt like an ambush. One day things are fine, and then all of a sudden you, you wake up with ringing in your ears and blurry vision. We had been on such a tremendous growth streak the last three years, growing at more than 50% top line and bottom line. We had just hired over 180 people the last two and a half quarters. And uh, when revenues go from what was a substantial company on its way to a quarter billion dollars in revenue to almost flatlining, we had to make some drastic changes and had to furlough a very large portion of our employee base. Our owners did all the right things. You know, we continue to pay medical benefits. We provided PTO. And then we've kept probably more importantly, a really strong engagement with our furloughed employees as well as our existing employees and trying to bridge that gap. So closed Facebook room, surveys going out, daily newsletter, daily do challenge. So we've really used social media to stay engaged with our, our furloughed employees and particular, but there's a tremendous kind of survivor's guilt by our existing employees. And so it's been a real challenge for leadership, but I'm really proud of what the team's been able to do. And we actually send out like an NPS score, how are we doing, how are you feeling? And we're tracking that and uh, have been surprised at how resilient our people are and how optimistic they are. So we're looking to try to get everybody back to work as fast as we can. Is anyone back anywhere yet in any state? Yeah. So we did a couple things and they came to us and landed in our lap because of the way I think we've participated in this business. One is you may have seen the face life mask. It's an opportunity where we're working on the mask with an entrepreneur in combination with the hydrofacial treatment. We pivoted with him to help fulfill the growing need for masks. And we have this really cool mask that's highly protective. It's made of 82% Q-Tech copper. So antimicrobial inside and outside. And in our first uh, month, we've sold almost a million dollars worth of masks. We're outfitting the aesthetic community sales reps, almost all of the major companies, as well as our estheticians, what we call hydrofacialists, and our providers. And really, really excited about that. It fits like a set of Lululemon pants, and then it's reusable. So it's good for the environment. You can wash it up to uh, 30 times. So it's a really distinct mask that we think will be great for low-risk, high-trust environments like aesthetic treatments. The podcast, as you know, is not a visual medium. So if we were going to try to look at this mask, where would we go? Yeah. Where would we go to look at it? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So if you go to hydrofacial.com, you'll see the face life mask. You can also go through our e-commerce site. And um, I think it's not, it's not only great for aesthetic treatments, but dentistry, rehab, you know, even uh, chemotherapy treatment centers, areas where there's probably a good chance that both people don't have COVID-19, but you have a real intimate setting. And you want to have a high trust that both of you are protecting each other. So we have a lot of our customers starting to say, hey, can we sell these also to our consumers? So we're supporting like a lot of our industry partners are. How do we make consumers feel safe? How do we give our customers the tools to bring them back? And how do we help provide some of the best practices? And it's been really a fascinating journey working with people that are typically considered competitors, 
but working in the best interests of humanity. So that's the silver lining of this crazy virus that we have in front of us that I'm sure you're seeing across the board. So do I have this right, that you kind of set out to make masks for your customers, but we did. now your customers want to sell the masks to their customers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, our customers are being faced with, as is Orange Twist, you know, how many people do I let in? How far do they stand apart? What do I do with my rooms? What's my sanitation process? Do I do temperature checks? Do I do antibody testing? So I think a mask is a really good PPE first line of defense. And so a lot of our customers have said, hey, we want to protect our staff. So we're going to buy masks for them. But hey, this will be a nice benefit to our consumers because the face life mask is going to be just below a surgical mask, but much better than all the consumer cotton masks that you see out of there and homemade masks. So it'll be what we call a professional grade mask that you can wear all day. You won't have any of the terrible side effects you see on these doctors and nurses. And yet it's highly protective and it's washable. So it's a little bit like scrubs. It's the new uniform. And um, we'll eventually have that where we can logo it for our customers because we think this will be part of the new uniform as we look at the new normal. So it's quite a category creator in itself. And I'll tell you the truth, I've learned a hell of a lot more about masks than I ever wanted to the last month, but it's also helping us inform the, uh, the decisions we're, we're making and the guidance we're helping to provide our customers. What about rhinestones? If I wanted rhinestones on my mask? <laughs> it's not now, but I think that's a great idea. Spoken like a Texan, I like that. Yeah, or someone who remembers uh, all the aesthetic rhinestone t-shirts that everyone used to wear in the offices too. Yeah, the old ask me about Botox. A couple of people have drawn that comparison, but we think it has that kind of stain power. So we're really excited. I mean, I've had conversations with almost all the CEOs in the space and we're outfitting their teams and then they're talking about promoting it to their customer base. So it's just a really interesting uh, way to participate with our friends in the industry. You know, the other thing that comes to my mind is like uh, Ricky Bobby putting uh, Wonder Bread on the windshield. And yeah. what, what can yeah. we put? How can we monetize the actual front of the mask? And maybe yeah. maybe the glasses too. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's interesting, you know, because the first thing people asked once they went through protection and how does it fit and how much the cost was, hey, can I get this branded? And I don't think we can escape the fact that our area of healthcare tends to be very image conscious. So um, we're looking forward to that part of the um, opportunity when we get there with it. The other thing we're working on that a lot of people don't know of is one of our sister companies owned by our private equity firm specifically does scheduling for telemedicine visits. They got hit with COVID-19 in their scheduling group, which was scheduling people that thought maybe they had COVID-19 for telemedicine consultations. So um, while we've been used to having a great customer care team that takes care of consumable orders and equipment orders and challenges with the technology, some of our youngest teammates signed up to take frontline calls from people that are really, in some cases, scared to death that they have COVID-19. We had you know, pregnant women who were concerned about what's the effect on their unborn child. And we had people that had compromised immune systems and symptoms that didn't know where to go. We had people in multi-generational families where people didn't speak English. And so we actually stood up a couple of our team members that were uh, Spanish-speaking and could help translate. So it's been amazing. It put us really on our back foot the first couple of days because it shocked us how traumatic these calls were. But I was so proud of our young people that after two days, when they were shocked, we said, hey, you're going to be able to tell your grandkids that when COVID-19 hit, you were on the front lines and triaging people, and who else would they have talked to? And you de-escalated, made them feel better, and got them the help they needed. So that's been a really cool... We don't make a lot of money from it. We're basically on contract, but we've been able to keep our people employed, but really contribute to something that 
it's hard not to get get teared up a little bit when you think about the effect these young people are having on some of these concerned citizens out there. And they're taking about 100 calls a day apiece now. So we've answered over 30,000 frontline calls about how to triage people to a virtual consultation. It's been absolutely fascinating. I'm so proud of the team. And so we had some folks that we were going to furlough that we were able to keep on board. And so they got trained and certified and their performance metrics have been outstanding. And, and it wasn't just our customer care team. We had a couple people from the, the factory floor volunteer to do it. And some of them are, are some of our best performing people. So we think that's a skill set that we'll have beyond this crisis because we've increasingly been engaging much more directly with the consumer and trying to find where they should be able to get their hydrofacial treatment. So um, it's been a real kind of blessing in disguise. So that call volume has stayed the same throughout, has not started to decline yet? It hasn't declined yet. You know, when you think about the fact we've taken 30,000 in, in three weeks, a little over three weeks, there's still a fair flow, but we expect that to come down. I would say as society learns more about this terrible virus, people are more educated, so we're able to triage them earlier. But right now, if you're suspected of having COVID-19, a lot of times the doctors don't want you to come in, the hospitals don't want you to come in. So it's scary. And so part of our team's job is to answer questions get them the consultation with a medical professional that can properly triage where they should seek the best treatment or at least ease or allay the concerns of the person that's having those concerns. If we kind of come back to the aesthetic world that we live in most of the time, everybody's starting to look for signal yeah. with consumer behavior. And, you know, at Real Self, we track this weekly. Sure. And I think you heard on Monday morning when Tom, and I think you were on the MCAS webinar with Tom. I was. That... We saw a huge decline in people being worried about getting sick. So you're, I know you're kind of talking about people who think they're sick. Then the other side of that coin is people who want to come back and see their provider or see their hydrofacialist. Yeah. And they need to be assured that they're going to be safe. So part of that is the masks that you already took about. Sure. But is there anything else you're doing to help your providers prepare to make people feel comfortable coming back? Yeah, and, and I love the data that you guys have been sharing. In fact, I, I shared it with my entire team because I think we're all, you know, we're all trying to provide the best guidance based upon the fact that we can. I think Real Self spent a tremendous resource. And it was great to see the EU data that that you guys were able to share as well. So I thought that podcast or that webinar was great and Tom did an amazing job. That's helping to inform some of the things we're doing. First and foremost, I think our data is consistent with the real self data. Consumers are increasingly feeling more comfortable that they're not at risk and that they want to have these treatments again. I think that next level question is, how do I know my provider is taking the right precautions? So we're doing things, for example, where if you have a face life mask and we've provided what our system does from a safety standpoint, you'll have almost like a protected by ADT alarm system. You'll have a protected by face life mask and hydrofacial where we believe we can convey to the consumer that the provider in there has a certain level of safety standards that they're getting guidance on. And now we don't want to overstep our bounds because we're not the healthcare provider, we're the manufacturer, but we're going to do our best to let the consumer know what the face life mask does. We are also looking at kitting kind of re-entry or re-emergence where you have maybe a, a custom hand sanitizer, a wipe with a mask, and it's kitted in a way that the consumer would be proud to wear it. And so that's what we're working through right now with our supply chain. And then we're obviously taking, I mean, the hydrofacial is one, it's, it's non-invasive, it's a single-use tip, it's a closed-end system. And as part of our process, there's always a cleaning of the tubes in between treatments. 
So the hydrofacial system will also be talking about why it's one of the best things you could do for, you know, three steps, 30 minutes, best skin of your life. What better time than, you know, when you've been quarantined for two months in your environment and want to start your aesthetic treatments again. So I think if nothing else, this whole Zoom face phenomenon is showing all of us that we need to take better care of our skin. And we think hydrofacial will be a huge early you know, emerging treatment out of that phenomenon. So we believe that talking about safety first is really important and the aesthetic opportunity second, because I think we need to ensure that we get our consumers over the hurdle, provide the right guidance for our practitioners, and that we just get this ecosystem working together. So much less of a loud spokesperson selling as opposed to empathy and trying to work to make the world a little bit better place. I thought about this a lot as I was getting ready to kind of ask you these questions. And I know there's a huge segment of hydrofacial that lives in the salon spa world. Yeah, sure. And then there's the segment that belongs to medical doctors and medical spas. Are you seeing signal on the salon side faster than the doctor side? Is there any big difference there that you've been able to spot? No, I think we see it more based upon kind of states opening under governors. And then there's some specific mayoral influence. I think Texas has been an interesting one. You've had the state of Texas has probably been more, more open to opening faster. And then you've had mayors close it down. And I think conflicting advice from politicians it would be really helpful if they'd all check their politics and actually be you know healthy participants with those of us trying to navigate our way through this. So I don't think we see it in terms of specialty. I think we see it more in terms of state guidance and probably some of the local politics. We're seeing pretty consistent questions, whether it's our KOLs that we're in contact with or our estheticians. And when we look across globally, a disproportionate amount of our business is still physician-led. What we do focus on is the hydrofacialist, who is typically an esthetician, doing the treatment. So we're working with the business owners, whether it's a doctor's office or a med spa, but also speaking and educating. We've We've really ramped up our training efforts our social engagement with our hydrofacialists because we really want to be focused on providing her guidance as well. And sometimes her voice can be lost in the conversation and we've got a really strong relationship with that hydrofacialist that we've really tried to amp up during this time of quarantine, if if nothing else. Certainly. And the other thing that happens in a crisis is people, loyalty solidifies. And I noticed that you were already working on a loyalty program for these people before the crisis And I'm wondering how your thoughts have changed on rewarding them for that loyalty kind of going forward now. Yeah, that's a a great question. I think um, there's no doubt that our structure of the way we do business will be deeply affected. And so our team, like those around the globe and businesses across the globe are figuring out, yes, we've really doubled down on our training and certification and kind of the educational programs. We really seek to empower that hydrofacialist to give her tools that allow her to take care of her clients or patients. That produces income, which contributes to her livelihood. And then we're providing certification, which helps progress her career. And um, that's been a really meaningful part of hydrofacial success. And so we've doubled down on that. We believe that there's going to be contraction in the medical spa space and physician offices. And so there's going to be a lot of unemployed hydrofacials out there. And so we're also setting up resources so that we can help them get employed and seek opportunities. We've also seen a lot say, hey, I may not be able to go back to my fill-in-the-blank business owner. Can I start my own and can I start with hydrofacial? So, you know, these are some really challenging times, but I think you're exactly right. 
during times of crisis, having a brand that is seen as, you know, whether you want to say authentic or trustworthy or empathetic, I think that we get to take advantage of some of the things that were already the, the foundations of our relationship with our customers and should see us through to a stronger hydrofacial and a stronger system. We, we developed this really, it sounds a little corny from a CEO, but you know, this isn't my first rodeo. I turned 50 this year. I've run several companies. So this one, we decided to do like, how would hydrofacial be if hydrofacial was a person? And so we just tried to be a really healthy kind of friend in the industry. We don't have any real natural competitors. And then along the way, we found out that we're an and company. We make everybody and what they do better. So you start with healthy skin. It makes your neurotoxins, your fillers, your lasers, your skincare better. And um, we tried to do that with our customers. We try to make sure the economics work for both of us, that the treatments produce better results than we promise. And that's why we've also partnered in kind of a Keurig way with the other skincare companies so that we can help them sell more skincare. So it sounds a little corny, but it's more than just kind of a slogan. It really has been one of the secret ingredients of this company. We're highly competitive. We like to kick ass like everybody else. I think that's shown up in our financial performance. But if we were a person, I think, you know, I'd like to hang out with us. I know from meeting tons of your reps and from experiencing the brand in the marketplace kind of in the wild, that that is exactly how I would have described your brand, even if you hadn't told me. Cool. So That's cool. That's yeah. that's the best compliment we can get. And we just had a, a ruckus executive team meeting. We're spread out all over the globe. And I was talking about that ethos, like even in this times of crisis and as we come back, there are things we didn't do right when we built the company the first time. So it's really important to me that that ethos is really important to me. We obviously have created a brand that means something to people. And the good news about that, there's a lot of passion around hydrofacial. But man, if you screw that up, that passion can come roaring the wrong way too. So we just had a conversation about exactly that. It doesn't matter what we do. We have to have certain elements of our brand that speak to the way we like to engage with our, our customers. We're all going to screw up. There's no question. <laughs> yeah. We know that at Real Self too. Yeah. What really matters is how you recover from screwing up. So Yeah. Yeah. No, we've made mistakes. I think um, this gives us a chance to reset some of those things. I mean, it was interesting. I mean, my team went from one of the most difficult things that can happen to a business, furloughing as many people as we did, to a week later, they'd stood up the face life mask business as they're spread out all over the place trying to find their family members that have to go into shelter in place and, and various government regulations. And, you know, it was interesting seeing us try to get the marketing message together, trying to get our sales team able to talk about the benefits. And it, it showed us that while we've done some things amazingly well, we also have to make sure that we can do things over and over again in a consistent manner that, that represents hydrofacial and, and the hydrofacial brands. So I see this as a great opportunity for us to just become better as a company. We know what success looks like. We're going to get back to that former success from a financial perspective, but I actually think we're a much stronger company than we were the day before we had to make the tough decisions we had to. I think whether you're a small practice or a large company, the theme that I've seen emerge over the last month or six weeks is that what you do now sets you up for whether you're going to make it out of this and thrive or survive or struggle. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'd be fibbing. I mean, I've been angry and sad and frustrated. I mean, just because your title is CEO doesn't mean that uh, you don't have the same emotions as your employees. And we've never seen anything like this. I mean, I led Bausch & Lomb's surgical division through the 01 crisis. I mean, it was COO at Solta when we were trying to combine Thermage and Fraxel during the 08 crisis. You know, and you think you've seen it all. And then this one hits you and it's a healthcare crisis and it's a financial crisis 
and we don't know when it'll end. And so you have this tremendous fear overhang that I think we see in a lot of the real self data. And as leaders, we have to help the people that are are following us to uh, to get through this. And, and that's a pretty big constituency. And uh, what's amazing is you also see this amazing innovation, amazing human resiliency. And so every day I feel pissed off, like I just want to put my head in the pillow and and not wake up, or I feel like I wake up and that must have been a bad dream. I'm also really inspired. and I'm, That's happened in little ways and in big ways all, all around the country. I'd love to know if you have any predictions, like put us six months out or a year and where are we going to be? Yeah. You know, whether it's six months or a year, I think we'll have a much better understanding of the data. You know, what's your true risk? What's worked? What hasn't worked? And so I think the healthcare part of the crisis will help determine the financial part of the crisis. I also believe in the, I think AI is so much better than it was during SARS. I think the scientists have vaccines that are closer. Despite all the chicanery by the politicians, there's been a pretty united global front to get this thing under wraps. So I think we were ambushed, the ringing's out of our ears. We're back up and ready to fight the good fight. And and I'm optimistic as a CEO and leader that we'll get this thing under wraps. Six to 12 months from now, I think, depending upon how good the data is in terms of low risk of people in our type of business and how close we are to a vaccine will determine what that recovery looks like. I certainly don't think at this point it'll be a V-shaped recovery. I think we're expecting to see more of a rolling or a W type of recovery until we have more clarity to those two things. Okay. And here's the tough question. Sure. Everyone has a superpower whether you know what yours is or not. (laughs) What is your unique superpower? Oh, gosh, that is a really tough conversation. You know, I always joke, I loved, I've loved Batman since I was a kid. So I always use the, you know, be yourself unless you're Batman, then be Batman. So I wish I wish I had that type of superpower. But uh, no, I think my superpower is I'm pretty good at taking complex things and distilling them down into simple language that people can understand agree with, disagree with, but in the end, uh, act upon. And so I think, um, you know, during times of crisis like this, I think that I'm able to help my, my various constituents, family, friends, employees, working partners, feel comfortable with the situation in front of us, plainly speak about the challenges we have in front of us and what we're going to do about this. And I think we've had a pretty good response to mobilizing, you know, the hydrofacial company and Orange Twist. So I think I'm really fortunate in that one respect. In the end, that comes down to, can you provide leadership to people? And based upon my role, I have to do that. It's my obligation and I enjoy it. And and hopefully the people that work alongside me think that I'm doing a reasonable job during this time. So I'm not sure if I have a superpower. I'm just a dude trying to make it through like everybody else. But this has been certainly one that tests that leadership uh, position. Thank you for sharing all of this with us today. We really appreciate it. And we're excited to see what happens going forward with both the mask and the hydrofacial. Yeah, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it. And Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. 
Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com slash network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.